This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, everybody. It's a Friday edition of Spits and Suds. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan. Thank you so much for joining us. And I'm joined by EP Rinkside, Sean Shapiro, also of Shap Shots. He's our NHL guru right here on Spits and Suds. How are you today, Sean? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. It's a it's a Friday. It's uh it's early it's early Friday afternoon, kind of getting things done, just looking forward to a good lunch and it's it's a good day. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, imagine the betting odds in Vegas and I don't want to go off on this, but teams to beat the Bruins in regulation uh for the first time in 2023. Probably wouldn't have had the Seattle Kraken at the top of the list, even though they're playing great hockey right now. But that was uh, that was really cool to watch last night, and shows the quick development of expansion in the NHL. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I wouldn't have had. I guess so. I wouldn't have expected the uh, going into the season. Obviously, yeah. it's here at a spot, but with how the with how the Kraken have been playing this year and. They've been on a bit of a heater themselves. Have won seven in a row. Like it's it's not it's not overly surprising. The Kraken won one game in Boston to me. The thing about these expansion teams that's more impressive, and it's the thing that's like obviously it was great. It was a great story when Vegas went all the way to the Cup final in their first year. But the thing about hockey, and you you know this well, Gavin, as a hockey fan, is hockey's varied uh hockey's hockey's it's random it's fun it's crazy things can happen in a small mm-hmm. sample size like vegas going to the stanley cup final well that was uh definitely surprising and impressive i would argue actually making the playoffs through an eight like winning enough games to make the playoffs as a fran as an expansion team is more difficult than winning six winning 13 14 games within 30 games i yeah. it's, it's actually it's one of those things where it's like just because of the sample size it's it's more impressive that what vegas was able to do right off the bat which leads to my point here about what seattle's been doing now in year two when frankly the team they kind of built last year i don't think they made like you look at some of the decisions they made and everything like that i don't think they built the best possible team they could have in year one. And now this year they've just been making a lot of smart decisions. They've been really like, I don't know. It's, it feels like all of a sudden, like they went from like year one of like, we're playing with house money. Like we exist. That's cool to this year. They're actually, they're acting like a team and it's like, and they're making some really smart moves. Like I love the, I love that they picked up Eli Tolvanen. I still, I'm still amazed that Eli Tolvanen dropped that far in waivers from mm-hmm. Nashville. Like, like I'm not surprised he was claimed, um, but I'm surprised that there's so many bad teams in this league that could have picked up a guy who's got, I think, six or seven points in his last seven games now with Seattle. Like, 
good for Seattle. And uh, you know what? Even we should also take a moment to like for the Bruins to not lose at home until their 41st game Amazing. of the season. That's I mean, they're on a ridiculous pace right now. They're yeah. not what I can actually do that simple math because 41 times 68 times two is a hundred and hundred and thirty-six point pace. That's ridiculous. <laughs> absolutely absolutely amazing. And I probably should have saved that for yeah. around the NHL because we always do that after talking to the, uh, about the Dallas Stars. So let's get into the game, and then we'll get back to the NHL. Um, this is why you need to listen to today's podcast. So a power ranking came out by CBS Sports, and you're going to be surprised not only where your Dallas Stars are, but where a lot of teams are. And Sean and I are going to discuss and throw some teams into the mix. So that's going to be a lot of fun. The odds are out also as far as who will own the Ottawa Senators, and we'll talk to Sean about that and uh, get his thoughts on the Ottawa Senators sale. But let's get into this New York road trip. And on the surface, three out of four points is terrific. Uh, It's wonderful. It's awesome. That's not an easy trip. Uh, Losing with one second last last night, you know, I tried, Sean, to pick it apart and everything like that. I don't know how many goalies would see that. I mean, that puck had destiny going into the net, uh, you know, and I'm so shocked it didn't hit anyone. And I know the stars tried to clear the zone and my only nitpicking would be at some point, I, you know, I know they want to shoot for the net, but sometimes I just want to clear it. Um, but I mean, that's nitpicking. I, I just think, I don't think the stars played their best game. Uh, I thought both teams limited opportunities for the other team. I thought it was a, a good defensive effort. And, you know, unfortunately, the Stars come up short in overtime. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I have, at the end of the game, I felt really bad for Jake Ottinger, just from a perspective of he deserved at least the win, if not the shutout. Mm-hmm. Um, when it, The way he played on that that two-wing, the two-game two, uh, two game swing through New York. Um, it's, with, with how, with, with that game and, with the final execution at the end, um, did Dallas deserve to win? Probably, like, probably not based off overall play. Like, I think the Rangers were the better overall team throughout the game. But when you're Dallas, the inability to execute with the empty net um, at the end, like, I just, I thought that was a situation where I don't think you, you should never force things to the empty net, but there was just a couple botched situations where you could have ended that game, mm-hmm. basically put that game to sleep and it would have been over. And you also have, and, and I, at the end, and I also think there's just some situational awareness that could have been better applied from the collective group outside of Jake Ottinger in the last three to four minutes of the game. That's kind of where I take from that. And that's if I'm, if I'm coaching, I'm happy. I'm happy with the point. I'm happy with the point. When I look at the body of work, I'm not happy with the point when I look at what I could have had when it was with three to four minutes left in the game. And it's like, that was the space where you actually needed some of the old stars, right? Like we talked before about how like the stars, we like how they go into the third period and they don't sit on leads and stuff like that. There's some situational awareness things that the Rick bonus stars did that the Pete DeBoer stars need to do last night. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Um, I thought Ottinger came up big, especially in the second period with three, three straight power plays uh, for the Rangers. And that is a serious 
power play. I did take a step back, Sean, and realize that yeah. you know they are playing one of the hottest teams in the NHL right now. So I thought that was you know good. Anytime you can get a point out of the uh, of the Rangers, um, but the three straight power plays, um, I know it can be fluky throwing it over. Um, I actually thought it should have been another power play for the Rangers. I thought the Stars got lucky. Uh, coming off the stick of Jamie Benn, and I know Paul Gallant of the Rangers was very unhappy about that, which leads me to a quick question to you. Do you think the NHL will allow the referees to look at delay of game penalties of whether or not there was contact with the puck um, before it went over or did it tip the glass? Uh, will they review that in the future? Um, I think it shouldn't my issue with review and this is something where i i just don't get the i i think it should i think it's fine i think it should be reviewed but i think all reviews i think we the amount of time that we take on reviewing things is the mistake here like we go like like i was i was before so last night full disclosure i was at the detroit toronto game last night and then i came back and i watched the, nice. yeah i re i rewatched the new york dallas game this morning actually so it's, it's fresh in my mind but i was at the detroit toronto game last night and there was a goal in the first period that was called back for a distinct kicking motion where um i thought it was a i thought it should have been a goal initially but they got the call right based off the rule and and everything like that it took we're, we're watching the game it takes two three minutes to get through that and at the end of the day with the manpower they have in the league office with the amount of people in all of this stuff should just be being reviewed right away instantly in my opinion like we shouldn't have to go to the point where we're breaking things down over three four minute stretches it should be with the manpower they have with things like that the amount of angles you can pull i think decisions just need to be made quicker that that's kind of where i keep coming down to on this and if we can get the league get the league uh like the back end guys on the league um ready right away it was like hey i don't know if that one was a del- proper delay a game call or not if we can get it fixed like that i'm all for it i'm just sick of all of these reviews where it takes two and a half minutes three minutes or and all of a sudden you're like why did we take this long when yeah they came to a pre- decision that you feel like they should have been able to make after viewing the video two times at most yeah there's no reason for final jeopardy to be playing in the arena yeah that's it's got to go quicker than that you can you cannot let you know you, you just can't have the fans wait um uh, i did want to point out tyler sagan because yeah. the first goal of the game he drew the penalty um, off of Lindgren, a good defenseman, and just by his effort in front of the net. And I'm seeing some terrific effort out of Tyler Sagan. I know we want the points to be up there, but as I mentioned in this podcast, I just think he's doing so many little things that are paying off for the stars. Uh, so then, you know, I mean, Marchment kind of, you know, it deflected off another stick, but it was a heck of a pass. Let's just call it that from Marchment to Sagan. Open in the slot. He beats Shesterkin. Uh, terrific goal to uh, go up one to nothing. Um, your thoughts? I just I just think Tyler Sagan the last couple of games, but I know he's been doing this all season. He's doing just a lot of little things that, you know, maybe other what we call high-scoring forwards might not do. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I mean, he is. Um, I think. I think Tyler has really embraced the role of not being the top line center. And I'm not saying that he doesn't want that title, but I think he's embraced the role of how do I transition my career to be an effective player um even when i'm not the guy who's scoring all the time even when i'm not i don't have the health and because like sagan i mean he is healthy now this year but it's the first time he's been healthy in a long time and he has the ability to um to impact the game in other ways and i think just seeing him embrace that role further is in a non- the Tyler Sagan Ken Hitchcock year. I'm mean, this is going to sound like a tangent, but it's it, it will make sense, I promise. It's your um, podcast, the, man. The, Go on tangents. The, 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 the Tyler Sagan Ken Hitchcock year. I know everyone kind of gave Ken Hitchcock a lot of credit for like, oh, look how he turned Tyler into a defensive center and look how he made him a full number one guy and everything like that. And that was a contract year for Tyler. Like I think that sometimes gets lost in that year. Like like we look at that that's that Hitchcock season for Tyler Sagan, it was a contract year. He was doing everything from like essentially to like, Oh, look, look what I'm doing. Look, look at, look at this. Look how he's going to make it work with coming, coming in a year where he has to get that next big contract. And so you combine that and then you combine with some of the other injuries he dealt with and things like that. Like, I think it's, we're seeing, it's nice to see Sagan step into this role and really embrace it now that he's gone through the injuries and the health scares and everything. And even though his money is guaranteed, he's set for life and he's still embracing a bit of that role when there's not a big contract on the line. And I'm not saying that I'm not saying that contract years impact players, but they impact players. And I, and I just, I, I look at it this way where that's what makes us even more impress impressive and notable to me is that, Tyler decided he wanted to continue his career. He wanted to find a way to continue to be a viable player in this league, even if he is, even as his body has betrayed him a little bit. And kudos to him on all of that. Yeah, absolutely. You're listening to Spits and Suds. I'm Gavin Spittle. He's Sean Shapiro. You can find him at Sean Shapiro on Twitter. Okay. I think you're going to disagree with me here. Um, uh and I mean, I mean no disrespect. I have to make the disclaimer. I am a Miro Heiskanen fan. I think he's a very, very good player. Um, I just, I would like to see, I mean, he's having a, a decent year offensively. I just want to see more of a dominant offensive player. I would like to see him, and I know he tried to last night, um, probably not the best opportunity uh, since the Rangers met him pretty quick. But I would like to see him because when he gets going, you know, and he does those D-man rushes, it's really impressive. Um, so I think he's a really, really good player, Sean. I want him to be elite. And is that 
in your opinion, is that going to take more time, or is he at that point yet? Uh, I know there's only one and only Kale McCarr, um, but Fox last night was impressive, and when the game was on its biggest stage, I wanted Miro Heiskanen to shine. Um, So I would counter with this because i think there's a trajectory i would say mir hushin is elite I, I don't i think i don't think you could say something one way or the other i don't he, he's he's elite um i look at mir hushin's career path and i think the ceiling is even higher in where it can go i look at it in a very similar way to um roman yossi's career i look at and I don't, I don't know if Heishkin will ever have a 96-point season like Yossi had last year, but I, I look at that part of Heishkin's game is going to continue to come with a bit of the confidence and the basically F-the-world attitude offensively that he's never really had to have before, and frankly, the Stars we're hoping to kind of organically grow within him by letting John Klingberg go in a bit of kind of an addition by subtraction. So I, I think it's on its way. I mean, okay. you look, you look at, he's got, he's on pace right now for, you talk about progressions, right? He's got 31 points in 40 games this year. He had yeah. 36 and 70 games last year. He's on pace for a 61 point season. Um, He, he's on and that's about doing really poor rough math. That's what about two thirds point of a game rate or something like that. And that's, that's kind of, and that's what we saw him at his height in Finland. I think in his last season in Finland before he was drafted, he, and his after he was drafted, sorry, he had 23 points in 30 games and regular season games. And, and I, I think he's on the right track. I think there is still a bit of the, take the game over offensively mentality that has to come with Heishkinen. Mm-hmm. I think it, and I, th- I think you're fair on that, but I think it really starts with, we're talking about a player that is only 23, that has a different career trajectory than most young defensemen. Kale McCarr had to learn the game defensively. Fox, I feel like still like his points won him a Norris, but I feel like Fox's defensive game still has strides to make. And I don't know if he'll ever get there. Um, Heishkinen to me is if you're purely from a, I want to win a game. I need a defenseman who's going to keep the puck out of my net. I mean, I don't know who else in the world you would pick just, just truthfully. If you're talking about just keeping the puck out of your net, I think he will get there in the offensive progression. I think it will go. I think, this 61 point pace this season is probably a good launching point for a guy who can be 65, 70 point player. Um, just at the end of the day, the one thing that Heishkinen hat doesn't have that a Fox has and a Makar has, and this is just the one thing that it's hard to, to build is he has a good shot. He has an NHL quality shot. He doesn't have the world-class release that that's why you drafted him and, and Makar and Fox have better shots. And so that's always going to be a little bit different there. Um, so for that reason, Miro is also going to be a little bit more of a deferrer. If that, if to use proper terminology, they're a little more of a deferrer to set up things. So it's kind of, I can't be upset with him, but I do see where you're coming from. Where it's like, okay, where, what is the next step? What is the next progression? And I look at Yossi's career and I look at the fact where Yossi's career kind of went where it was 
uh, let's see, I just pulled it up. He went from, let's use non-lockout years, 40 points, 55 points, 61 points, kind of in that 40, 50, 60 point range. And then just really took off in his late twenties with 65 point season, a 33 point and 48 game season, which would have been like a 60 something point over 82 games, uh, 96 points. He's got 33 now. And for like, I, I think Miro is going to kind of have a bit of a Roman Yossi next step offensively. And we just have to kind of give it a little bit of time for him to continue to grow into that role um, and just fully embrace it because right now he's doing a little bit of everything and carrying his pair and everything like that. And um, it's, but I think, I think there's more to come and I'm not overly worried about it right now. Um, now I think we can, let's, let's, let's stick a pin in this conversation and yeah. then in April, April and May, when the game's on the line, let's see what happens. Cause that's, that's when it will matter most. That's what I love about this podcast. We can have these uh, conversations. 